There have been quite a few pitchers who have lost no hitters in extra innings, but never anyone who has lost one in nine innings. And Johnson is just one out away from doing that right here tonight. Cincinnati leads it one to nothing. Bottom of the ninth. Two outs, nobody on. The last pitcher to lose a no-hitter was in 1934. Bobo Newsom pitched nine innings of no-hit ball, but lost it in the tenth. And back in 1917, there was the double no-hitter through nine innings from the game involving Cincinnati and Chicago. Big pitch now. Ball three and strike two on Ronalds. And Pete rolls one to the right side. Johnson makes the pickup. Nuxhall covers. The ball game is over, and Cincinnati wins one to nothing. Now Deal is putting up a big squawk with the first base umpire. He's called him safe, I guess, now. Yes. Now Hutchinson is out arguing with Landis, and Bob Lillis is going to run. That'll be an error on Darren Johnson. Now Hutchinson is squawking to Stan Landis at first base. All the Cincinnati players were just getting off the field. Now they have to go back out. This game is not over. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the BBA Today. I'm Ted Schmidt, host of the Twin Cities River Monsters, which is just as hard to say as it is to type. And I'm joined, as always, by Ron Collins, who um, of Yellow Springs 9, who got over a case of acute um, post-not-landisitis but not really. You were busy with work stuff, but rejoins me today. And I'm sorry. I don't even know why I started there. I told myself I wasn't going to dig at you at all because it's just cruel at this point. I don't really understand um, what you're saying, though, Ted. I mean, baseball's been over for, you know, quite a while. What's the right. what's the question? Uh, what's the you, thought? You you won that division title and everything was and everybody knows the Heartland's the best division and they yeah, played and some then exhibition we played a few, games. Yeah, we played a few exhibition games and went home to <laughs> celebrate our Heartland division championship. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, um, uh, I actually, I did actually hear that the uh, San Antonio team won the last game of the exhibition season. So I think congratulations to the San Antonio Outlaws for that uh, exhibition win. Yeah, and I, it, you know, as much as I really like the job that Stephen did this year with Long Beach, after all of the pitching injuries and that um, that Mike Calvaruso had with San Antonio. And having to like, okay, I'll try again. Okay, those guys all got hurt. Okay, I'll build, you know, I'll build again. For him to, for this to pay off for him is is pretty nice, I think, in general. I'm sure he's thrilled, and I, you know, couldn't be happier for him sticking out all of that bad luck. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, first off and foremost, uh, Mike Calvaruso, congratulations in highly, highly deserved. I'm really excited for you. I know we have talked about many times that. The San Antonio Outlaws have been one of the most snake-bit teams in the league since I have been here. Uh, Mike has had his team set up for at least two major runs and had injury issues and all sorts of stuff happen. So I'm really happy for you, Mike. Congratulations. Uh, Steven, outstanding year putting together a team. And I want to send another congratulations out to Jim Cox, uh, Bucharest Impaler's general manager, who has been just consistently putting together great teams in the Umeba, um, won the United Cup with a uh, five-game series in, uh, with Manama, 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 Manama. Yeah, right. So really a fantastic end of the season, and I, I could not be, well, I could be happier 
I, I have to admit that uh, I could be happier. Oh, Seriously, I, I could be happier. But we will rip that Band-Aid over and turn the page and say, you know, really an outstanding set of series. And that um, I, I do know the seven-game series for the Landis, really super exciting and uh, worthy of all the television networks and whatever ratings we clearly had to have gotten out of that because that was quite a series. So anyway, what else we got going on? Oh, yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> there's been a bit of chatter because we pulled the curtain back and we now no longer have a um, uh, rating system that basically the job of it is to scale things. As far as I can tell, the job is to scale attempt to scale things into something that looks more reasonable in terms of a distribution of baseball talent. That's my understanding of what the relative ratings are supposed to do. And they're supposed to give you an idea of how the leagues compare to each other and that sort of stuff. The problem with that is that if you don't have a normal distribution of baseball talent underneath it, when you turn relative ratings on, you can no longer see that you don't have a normal distribution of baseball talent. And so we've turned those off, and some things happened. No, actually, that's not true. Nothing happened. Nothing's different. You have the same players. They are going to produce the same stats. You can now just understand why they are producing the stats they're producing a little bit better, because instead of comparing scaled numbers to each other, you are comparing the actual numbers to each other. Yeah. Um, so, you know, relative ratings. And I think that's what we're going to spend almost the entirety of this show talking about right like what we see well, that, and look well, at that's the players. only because the two of us are probably the most geeky nerdy people around relative ratings and for most people it may or may not actually matter but these things make my brain go go poof i, I do like your lead-in comment there that in reality nothing has actually occurred to change anything because it's the real ratings that go into the game engine and all that other good meta gamey stuff and for some history, when I came into the league, we were on real ratings and only changed to relative ratings. Geez, I don't, when was it? Uh, like 2037 or 36 or 30. I have to go back into all of all of the uh, posts that we made back when we first went into relative ratings. And um, every person probably has a different flavor of why they like relative ratings or don't like relative ratings. My personal flavor of why we have chosen to go back to the real ratings, raw ratings, uh, real as structured against the 1 to 10 scale versus whatever, right? We don't get the actual real ratings. They're still in those bars. <laughs> right. um, but I think that the reason that we have done that is because in relative ratings, the way we were looking at it after several years and seasons of playing with it, it became very hard to understand whether rating changes were because of development changes or just because the pool of players changed. Right. Which you can make a philosophical comment that it doesn't really matter because everything is relative, as, as Uncle Albert told us. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that becomes a kind of a personality thing, which do you like? I, I know I personally like knowing that my player has actually changed, but then it creates this problem of having to overlay the player against what I think the environment is. So, Right, and the other thing I noticed is that the USA scouting reports became really unreliable with relative ratings turned on, like you used to be able to. And, and maybe this is a version thing and not relative ratings, but I think it's relative ratings. You used to look at a player and... You could say, okay, you know, they were this level of prospect and they gained a bump during prospect to their maxes during or while they were prospect, they bumped. And then 
you know, the player developed all the way to their max and they were at their max for five seasons. And then in their late twenties, they lumped and yada, 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 yada. And you could see this, you know, timeline change in their ratings. And I've noticed that that has become really difficult to follow um, in terms of looking at how a player's developed since relative ratings turned on. And the, the, the guy I'll bring up is San Fernando's Alex Ramirez, right? Who, according to OSA scouting reports, has been 776 for his entire career. That's not true. That's decidedly not true. That is not factual. There, I mean, I don't know any other to say it. That's not correct. He is, and we actually know now, I'm looking at a, you and I are both looking at versions of the game, I believe, um, or I'm looking at a version of the game that is not updated to real ratings. So I'm looking at his relative ratings scouting reports, and they say he's been 776 his whole career. With relative ratings turned off, he is, uh, I think, all 8s or 886 or 887 or something like that is what Randy told me. And when we switched from real ratings to relative ratings in 2037, for several seasons, there was actually, you could see where that happened. Everybody's players looked like they lumped after 2037. Like there was a distinct artifact in the ratings. Somewhere along the line, the game, the relative ratings engine has gone back and erased that. It is, it is no longer pleasant in, present in the scouting report. So my hope is that now that we've gone back to real ratings, we won't get this weird, non-factual, historical player account. Which is important. I mean, you need to know. You know, you're, you're trying to trade for a guy. You need to know if he's better or worse than he used to be from a rating standpoint. So I, I'm hoping that that gets a little better. It might not. It might be a version thing. The other, there's two other things to talk about that have changed in the game engine since we switched relative ratings on. So there are things that are going to look different, and they have nothing to do with relative ratings. They have game version. They have to do with game version. One of them is these super high stuffs we're seeing on pitchers. So Jim Armstrong is now a 16-stuff starter. Right. Uh, with relative ratings on, he was 15 this year. With relative ratings on in OTP 20, he was 13 because that was the max. With relative ratings off, I believe he was, before we switched, he was 12. So this is an OTP thing in terms of version, not a relative ratings thing. So, right, uh, because that works for both stuff in uh, power, power, although you don't see uh, – maybe we can get into this in a little bit because I've done quite a bit of work in – I've done quite a bit of work over the night and morning in doing some assessments of you know the group of players we have as a whole because you know I'm me and that's what I do. But yeah, the the structure of the game in stuff and power have both changed, and I think there's some. Uh, I can guess through some of the reasons why that is, and why it's only stuff and power. That they, I admit that's an OTP thing that kind of annoys me because I don't really mind if the scale changes, but I sure wish it would change for everything rather than just one or two things. It just. Right. Uh, but it doesn't a, really matter because the game engine only struck, you know, it, it shows you what the game engine uses to <laughs> to right. do certain things. So, um, but beyond that, you, you talk about uh, Armstrong. I mean, you can see that in something like Lorenzo de Medici's jump from relative ratings to real ratings. He's gone from a 15 stuff to an 18 stuff. Uh, so you can see that we're up over, I, I believe that the peak for stuff in power is now actually like 20 or something like that. 20, it's actually 27. 27, okay, yeah. They, yeah. 
built, they've uh, bumped things further. So it's possible to get some super amazing player. I doubt that you'll see us in the BBA get into those kinds of numbers just because I'm guessing the way the d development engine works and things like that. I think that those are in for... I think in order to get those, you have to actually tell the game <laughs> that you they're do. up and, there. But. And while you're talking about that, though, I'd like to bring up a, a quick point. We are a very high rate. We're a high ratings league, but even more so, we're a very high stuff league. And I think that's the reason for me, at least, this is important to talk about, because if you want your game to look like the way real life baseball is played, the distribution of your ratings one way to do that is have the distribution of your ratings look somewhat like the distribution of player talents and these raising the cap on stuff and power has essentially broken that you can now program a player that strikes out you know 90% of batters you can program a batter that will hit 150 home runs and so if you change your pcms such the player creation modifiers for guys that don't know that the, the game has a they have these settings called PCMs that basically tell the draft what kind of players to make. You could change your PCM so that no one ever walked. You can change your PCM so that everybody hit 100 with a thousand home runs. Well, not a thousand, but everybody hit 100 and hit 60 home runs. And so that. Yeah, and you can before, do the same thing with the league totals. You can do the same thing with the league totals, right? And the difference, as you pointed out before the show, is that when you change the league totals, you get an instant effect on the output. When you change the PCMs, you'll see that five, six years down the road as right. the players when are drafted. all the players that you created get drafted. So, but the, and I, I think another, another thing that's well, going to... Can I, can go I, ahead. The point I was trying to make, Ron, is that before, when they didn't have these super high... When, when, the, when the stuff and power were capped at 13... They couldn't get way ahead of the corresponding anti-skill. Power couldn't get way ahead of, of motion. Contact, or, uh, stuff couldn't get way ahead of ABK. I couldn't get way ahead of control. But now that they've changed the way the game engine works and the caps on stuff and power are essentially double their opposing force, we're in a spot where if, if you're not careful, you could make something that doesn't resemble real baseball at all. And okay. I think that's the that's the important thing about turning off relative ratings is now we can see that balance in a way that we couldn't with relative ratings turned on. And actually, that's a feature, not a bug. The fact that you can create stuff that is not like Major League Baseball. Um, sure. It, it's you know, a question of what you the, want. In the early days, when I was first in uh, out-of-the-park beta groups, one of the key phrases was, play the game your way, right? And there are even people that wanted, I mean, there were people that were running fantasy baseball leagues. And by that, I don't mean like what we call fantasy baseball leagues. I mean, baseball leagues with orcs and trolls and, you know, and they were creating these huge mega, you know, there were people who wanted to play the game that way. So that was a feature, the ability to warp the game engine to do, uh, put a baseball league on Mars, make the ball fly wherever, you know, it, all these different things. So that is actually a feature, not a bug, but it is important or valuable, I think, to understand. It becomes a multi-dimensional problem if you're trying to keep things in a particular bandwidth because, and maybe we're getting too deep into the hood of the of the game, but you know, you've got the development engine, you've got ratings, you've got PCMs, you've got leak totals. All of these things can be tweaked with. 
And each one of those things that gets tweaked will create different outcomes because of the way that the game engine puts it all together, which is its beauty and its, you know, etc. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, because we, you started this little segment with saying that the BBA is a uh, high ratings league, and we are kind of a high ratings league, but what we really are is a high stuff league. Yep, yep. And I think that the real reason for that, and I just did some sorting on some of my spreadsheets, because I'm, I'm also like you, I don't have the... Uh, uh, latest game file loaded up in my game, so I'm running off HTML and some downloads that I made from my other computer. But I think that one of the real things that we need to pay attention to, why we are higher stuff, has to do with relief pitcher conversions. If you look at the high stuff pitchers in our league right now, and I just did a sort on high stuff, a huge, vast majority of these over 14 stuff guys are relief pitchers. There are a few. I mean, Armstrong is a 16, right? In a in an original kind of a capped stuff league, he'd probably be at 11 or 12 or whatever, whatever that number is. But a very large number of our relief pitchers have been converted, hence they get the stuff bump, right? When we do a conversion, we increase relief pitcher stuff. Um, and that makes an important aspect in concept of in-game, especially now that we're in a world where relief pitchers are being used more often. That means your hitters are going to see relief pitchers more often than they had maybe 10 seasons ago when in 2034. Uh, so it all kind of boils together. If you're looking for trying to figure out why things are the way that they are, I think you can roll in league-specific actions too. Online well, leagues are notorious for allowing some kind of adjustments into their rating scales. And so that's that's another interesting piece. So is your argument then that the relief pitcher conversions have like a feedback effect on other relievers? Because I think the majority of these super relievers aren't conversions. They're they're created by they're guys that were created by the game. Um and yeah, and that could be too, but if you look at the overall picture you know, and one of the things I it want does, to get into does. is the overall picture. It will shift things. It will shift. Yep, it'll shift the whole thing up. When yeah. when you say there's ten relief conversions per year, that doesn't sound very big, but there's ten in 2034, and there's ten in 2035, and there's ten in 2036, and pretty soon you know you've got about a hundred pitchers <laughs> that, that have, have like been moved more by stuff. one to two points up. Yep. And they're getting 80 innings to 100 innings apiece versus 60 or whatever they used to get. So those are, are important. And yes, I do not know whether all of these pitchers that I'm talking about are all conversions or not. Uh, the game engine will create things. The other nuance to that is, and we've talked about before, and I cannot possibly quantify this, is that I am 100% sure, though, that the development engine will look at, oh, stuff is kind of way up. I need to start doing some things to level out the game engine. Right. And oh, and therefore, the development engine will take some kind of action. Um, my guess is, is it moves up ABK for hitters in order to balance out the strikeout thing. But that reaction is a slow reaction because the development engine can only work over a period of seasons. And so, you know, it, it, it's like... Uh, throwing coffee and cream and marshmallows into a cup and then taking a spoon and slowly starting it. <laughs> and 
Every, right. You know, it's going to change things, right? The other thing I said, you know, when I started this, there's there's two things that have changed in terms of OTP versions. The other one is, you know, first off, it was the 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 first thing was the stuff and power caps going way up. The second thing that makes this look different than it used to that has nothing to do with relative versus real ratings is that in the shift from OTP 20 to OTP 21, they did something with calculating reliever potential differently. And I believe that it's because the stuff ratings on relievers generally went up so much that all of the relievers that are still good but didn't have these super high stuffs had these big potential drops. Because I remember I was playing around offline and I just updated the league I've been playing forever and like half of my relievers dropped 10 to 15 points of potential. All these guys I had that were previously 70s were now 50s. All I got that had these guys that were 50s and 55s were now 40s. Well, I think um, that's that's in those overall potentials and overall ratings and right. they hate overalls so they don't, well, you know, all that other good stuff. But yes, there is 100% that. I think that was one of the... Um, that continues to be a conversation about should there even be 80 rated, 80 overall rated relievers? Because in real life, there are not, right? right. In real life, a Mariano Rivera is a 60. Uh, right. Because there are more, right. especially as the world gets a little more sophisticated on numbers, those ratings, uh, 80, 20 to 80 ratings become more warlike rather than anything else, you know, in the 40s and 50s and 60s in real life world that are weren't war, <laughs> there was no war, so there was question about what those meant, right? right. Um, so yes, in the version from 20 to 21, they definitely tweaked and adjusted the ratings. But there's, you know, I, I think there are people that want to see Lorenzo de Medici be an 80, despite right. the fact that in real life baseball he would be a 60. Right, and the reason for that, if you know, if you're not following, is that if he was a, he's a sixty because he's not a starter. If he was a eighty, if he was truly an eighty grade reliever, he would just be a sixty grade starter. Like there, there's, there's so anybody that generally is a career reliever, even the best of the best relievers, they're not eighty grades. Yeah, <laughs> they're almost, a, they're not an eighty grade pitcher. Almost certainly. Uh, no. The response that I would have to that is not just because he's a starter, but more because since he's used as a reliever, he's only going to gain three to five oh, well, war, right? Right, there's that too. But oh. that's a philosophical nuance when you get down to it, because, for example, right. Di Medici last year, 2043, considering 2044 is still this year, uh, put up uh, nearly seven war. Well, that's because he was used for 170 innings, and in real life baseball, Di Medici would not be used with a, for 170 innings. No, he'd, he'd be used break. for 100, right, <laughs> or 90, and he would put up three and a half war. <laughs> yep. So that's part of the problem that I think the development group has with Matt Arnold and Marcus uh, Heinsohn uh, is I can argue that Di Medici should be a 55 or a 60. I can argue that he should be an 80, and there are people out there that are his their customer base that argue both. <laughs> right, and um, they've got to try to please everybody. And they've got to try to make some decisions and please everybody. So what they did last time to cycle this whole thing through is uh, they did not get rid of the 80s. They just scaled down the overalls so that there were much fewer of them. Right. Um, and that's important for us to understand because our rating, I think, uh, we were talking before I saw Aaron put up a little note about I've got a 10-7-7 guy and he was a He's a 45, 
So now I understand what, you know, why I understand the value of relative ratings. And that's not wrong. The question ultimately is, is do you want the game to do some adjustments that you don't really understand, or do you want to do those adjustments yourself? Uh, because you should know that a 10-7-7 is kind of an average pitcher. And right. then, well, in, in the bullpen, a 10-7-7 relief arm is kind of an average yeah, bullpen right. arm. Um, should it be? Well, that's a different question. But the, the, when it comes down to it, like these labels that we're putting on quantities are not, they don't mean anything, right? 10 doesn't, like, it, it could be some other shape. It could look somewhat different. So it is functionally no different if an 8 is average or if a 15 is average. You, you need to know what average is and you need to know what better than average is and about how many of those players there are. And as you were just saying, when you turn on relative ratings, the game does try to do that for you a little bit, but it does a really, really poor job is, is kind of what I learned over these last half decade of half plus decade of being this way is that the job I can do myself of looking at all the players and going, okay, that's average. This is good. This is bad is considerably better than what the game was doing. You know, and an example of that, if we want to get into some players, sure. is, is and I, I brought this up in the little bit that I, the little blurb I posted is kind of a teaser, and Ron's already got some bar charts, guys. They're pretty helpful um, <laughs> that I have had the luxury of being able to preview. The example I, I put up is, is Fernando Cruz, who is something like seven, seven contact, six gap, 10 power, I think eight I, nine AVK. And... You would think that, that should be a pretty darn good batter. That should be, you know, in a standard OTP league, that'd be one of the best bats in the league. And for us, the guy can't hit 220. And so before last season, we're looking at this guy who had a six contact and nine power and eight I and eight ABK going, why is he? That shouldn't be bad, right? Like if you looked at Fernando Cruz's ratings of six, they were like something like six, six, nine, eight, eight. And he was terrible. And and you should look at that. And, and it didn't make sense. But now when you see, okay, his contact is seven. And his ABK is like eight or nine. And you look around the league and all of these guys have 10 plus stuff. Now it makes sense. You know, his, it's not good enough. Um, he's still a little bit weird. He should probably be a little better than he is. But like, it's not so shocking. You know, another example that I brought up um, with you one time and I've been kind of perplexed about is um, Sacramento's Henry or Henri, however you pronounce that, Charrier, who really looks like he should be at least in like a, you know, maybe like an 80 weighted runs created plus, you know, maybe he should hit like 230 to 240, you know, get on base at about a 310 clip hit for not much power, but he shouldn't be an abysmally poor batter. And what he's been is an abysmally poor batter. Now you turn off relative ratings and you see that he has seven contact and seven AVK and a seven contact, seven AVK right-handed bat in the league that we have with the stuff that we have is not going to hit. They're just not going to hit. And, and it's not only that they're not going to hit, they're not going to hit at all. They're going to be flirting with the Mendoza line. And so yeah, you've got to adjust, right? It's just, uh, I think you pointed out that Jim Cox said that he just has to wrap his brain around adjusting to the new ratings, but 
once we adjust, now you can now that we're seeing these raw, these quote unquote real ratings, you can compare players to each other in a way that we couldn't with relative ratings turned on. Yeah. Cruz is an interesting example because he has actually hit well up until this year. Fernando Cruz has been actually like a playoff beast <laughs> throughout most of his his career. He's 35 or 36 now. And, uh, you know, I actually wonder in Cruz's case whether it is because, I mean, his number, his ratings are still awfully, awfully good. They're not brilliant. Uh, I'm actually wondering whether he got Lucas McNeiled back. You know, if you look at McNeil's, there's there's these weird things that happen in out out of the park, and I don't know. There must be something underneath, because you just don't see players in real life go from seven war, seven war, seven war, replacement level, five war, five war, five war. I mean, that, well, but, that's kind of weird. Yeah, but Fernando um, Cruz wasn't that good. Like he's for the last half decade, he's been three war, three war, three war. Right. And then in like 2043. He was okay, 250, 258, right. 321, 490. But he just fell completely off the cliff this year. So there's yeah, some... and you and you you might have a point that, but even even now his ratings make more sense for 258, 320, 490, right? Like seeing that relative to the rest of the you know with the, with relative ratings turned off. Right. So seeing his real ratings compared to the rest of the league, it makes more sense now than when you look at a guy and go like, what the heck? Like what? So, um, yeah. And you know, I, I think that the you know the second thing you talk about Sharari, um, you know, I don't like absolutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an absolute guy. Sharari uh, could well uh, hit fine before it's all said and done, right? Because I mean, compare Sharari to uh, my own guy, Luis Pena, right? Both shortstops, seven, seven, yeah. five, six, eight. Sharari's got a little less power. Especially as you guys, you and I love your, uh, you and Joe, Joe, thank you for stepping in for me last time. I uh, love your comment about shortstops, right? And in offense being so difficult. Peno put in a 94 weighted runs created plus 94 OPS plus. He's not brilliant, but he can hit, right? I mean, a 94 is fine for a shortstop. But you look at his rating bars and you look at Shari's rating bars and those performances seem like they should be within the right within the same bandwidth. The question that I have at that stage is compare those two players and what you might be seeing there since they have been consistent over two years, that separation. What you might be seeing there is the difference between a low and a high in each one of those bar right. ranges. Top, right. top of the bar, bottom of the right. bar. That's why I say we still haven't got the real ratings. What you've got is the real scale. <laughs> and now we right. have to adjust our framework. Uh, and yes, Jim Cox's comment, I've been really uh, impressed with Jim Cox even before he came into the league. Uh, in fact, I saw some of his posts and we had some conversation on the out of the park public board, which is when I pointed him our way and I said, hey, if you want these kinds of things, you, if you like these kinds of things, you might come here. I think he's getting his brain uh, wrapped around the idea, the right ideas, right? That you adjust the scales and Personality-wise, if you like, uh, personality-wise, if you want to know the real information and enjoy the process of scaling that into the world, you will like real ratings 
if you want the world to try to scale it for you, you will like relative ratings, but then you're going to have to deal with all the problems that we were dealing with without and just not understand why things are looking the way that they are. Right. And, and the, you know, then the argument I made was that like relative ratings, one of the biggest problems with relative ratings is that they can hide a talent mismatch. That's, you know, if you created a league where the highest contact was two um, and the lowest or the average contact was two and the average stuff was seven and didn't do anything funky with league totals, nobody right. would hit. And that would be the league that you created. And if that's what you wanted, that's great. But then if you turn relative ratings on, you would see something probably like a whole bunch of four contacts and it's a bunch of six stuff. And you would be like, why is everybody hitting, you know, 20 percent or hitting oh twenty, 20, you know, and it's because it's because of the way relative ratings work. And I think, you know, let's get into the data you've collected. We've got some mismatches, right? We have some. And my general impression of our mismatches is that they are worse than when we turned relative ratings on. Not a lot. We, we kind of were working on them already, but I, I think they got a little worse. Than, than when we tell them, turned on relative ratings. But well, and by worse, the perhaps bigger. Well, sure. I, I mean, I mean worse in terms of the quantity of the mismatch, or bigger, bigger quantity of mismatch. Not again. What it comes down to, it's all: is the league producing the type of results, right? The outputs of all of these inputs, you know, ratings, league totals, park effects, all of that stuff. Is it producing outcomes that you want? And if it is. Who cares? That's yeah. great. But there is at least a well, yeah. So when I say worse, I just mean that like the, the the degree of mismatch between the ratings has gotten bigger. Right. When we launch this podcast, I will as part of the uh, as a follow on post show notes, whatever I will post the uh, little charts that I have here because uh, I have gone through just to to level set everyone. What I've done is I've gone through and I've pulled data on all of the ratings on the league before the Landis, you know, after, before the exhibition season ended. <laughs> and then I've pulled all of the ratings off of the current file and gone through and just histogrammed, you know, how many uh, pitchers, how many hitters of stuff, movement control, uh, overall ratings, contact, gap, power, I, AVK, you know, what does the histogram look like beforehand and after? So you can see what the shift actually is. And one of the things that I wanted to put forward here is when we went into relative ratings, um, I think that the idea was uh, we thought we had distribution mis mismatches in the sense of, you know, way too high on one end or too low on the other end, and that relative ratings would essentially just make that look smooth. And the second part of that is true. It, everything kind of looks smoother uh, it does a little bit of that, but really what relative ratings is doing is really just kind of shifting the average closer to 50 or 60. It's taking, if you look at these curves, what you'll see is that the shapes of the curves don't really change a whole lot from relative to real. But what happens is that the center points kind of shift. And there is a little bit of stretching here and there. You, if you look at the far ends, you know, the De Medici's and the so forth of the worlds are way out there. But yeah, to your point, the blurb that you put out on how you were looking at relative ratings and real ratings just yesterday, just tonight, whatever, this morning, whenever you put that out, um, you know, pitching stuff seems to have basically moved about two points, maybe two and a half further up 
if you had a six stuff, most likely it is now an eight stuff. It is actually interesting to get into it and look at the at the number of pitchers who had six stuff, how many of them moved up to eight. A few might have moved up to nine, and a couple moved only to seven, I think, if I'm remembering right. And the issue there is, is that in that six range relative, it, some were at the low end of the bar and some were at the high end of the bar. Now they moved into a different set of bars, and you can see that differentiation. It actually would be interesting to go in and look at their performances of those pitchers and see how they scaled, right? Same kind of thing on hitter contact. Hitter contact is probably about a one-and-a-half to two-point shift. Uh, so it was two-and-a-half, maybe two to two-and-a-half for pitching stuff. Hitting contact is maybe one and one-and-a-half. Uh, but you compare that to... AVK, and AVK is probably a full two-point shift, two to two-and-a-half-point shift. So AVK and stuff kind of go together, but AVK fits into contact. <laughs> it, it's, it's just a wonderful mess, right? It um, kind of makes you wonder if AVK went up two and contact only went up one, you know, like, or one-and-a-half, then what's happening with BABIP, you know? Like right, you can't of... see BABIP, but what you can see is power, and power seems to have shifted about a point, right? maybe a half, you know? So compare it, put in AVK's one-and-a-half point shift, power's a half to a point and whatever Babbitt did, and then you can start to guess, you know, can can see how that rolled into contact. And um, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but my general impression from looking at this whole thing is that compared to when we shifted two relative ratings, all of these shifts are about the same with the exception of, of stuff, right? That stuff seems to have moved. I do not recall all of my players' stuff dropping by two and a half, two to two and a half. I remember it being like one to one and a half. I remember contact moving about one. I remember power moving about one. I remember I not moving much at all. You know, I remember control and, you know, like all of these seem about the same, but I don't, I, I feel like in the time that we had the ratings hidden from us, that stuff seems to have increased. Yeah, I don't know. And, that, that could well be your... When you say that, I, I had not thought about it at all. When you say that, it strikes me as probably true, but it also fits into that category of now I'm interested in going back to all those posts that we made back in the 2037s-ish, whenever we made that change. And um, Well, just ignore the parts where I'm fighting with like. you. Yeah, we, we always... <laughs> we, we fight because we love. <laughs> Maybe. I fight because I'm a rude jerk. There you go. Um... No, I get what you mean. I, I completely agree. Yeah. So one thing I could ask you um, before you post this, do you think that you could rearrange your histogram so that the top top and bottom are opposing forces? Just, That's I don't know. That's a good idea. Yeah, um, it's a good idea. And whether or not you want to oppose pitching stuff with APK or pitching stuff with contact is up to you. Yeah. But, no, I think contact will have to sit out on its own because really contact doesn't have an opposing match up with anything. anything. Uh, yeah. Contact is not real. Contact is not only not only is it not relative or or real. Contact is a completely artificial construct that makes absolutely no difference uh, yeah. to anyone except us human beings looking at it. Um, and its only value for me is trying to help me figure out where bit where BABIP is, which is actually easier done by looking at the stats. So, so let me. Um, do you have uh, any any particular other insights that you have that you want to bring up now that we have these histograms? I think the one, 
out, outside of pitching stuff and AVK, which I, you know, the others are just kind of shifts one, one blip to the right, you know, pitching stuff and AVK have these big shifts, which again, I am asserting are bigger than they used to be. And pitching is bigger than everything. Um, but everything else is kind of a one blip to the right, except for one particular thing, which is hitter eye, yep. which barely moved. It's got about the same shape as the pitching control histogram, which would make you feel kind of okay, except that pitching control moved and hitter eye didn't. And we've noticed that it's very hard to walk, and I think we have some evidence as to why. You know, would be the the thing that, that I would bring up. And again, you know, this is maybe the advantage of using real ratings is that this is kind of more obvious now. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think... Uh, I'm gonna. I, I have a theory and opinion on this. I'm interested to hear your reaction before I get into my theory and opinion. But you know, as you said, uh, if you're following along and in, in breathlessly checking us each way we go here as a listener, uh, pitching control. If you look at relative ratings, moving to real, everything is stepped up. And in fact, uh, one of the issues with the control chart is there are pitchers that are in the relative rating group who I don't think actually exist in the current day group. I think they've retired or whatever. So this back end is a little bloated, but still the relative rating to real rating shift looks to be about a point, maybe a point and a half, depending on how the scale goes. Uh, so definitely there is a shift. If you look at your pitchers, you're going to feel like your pitchers control ratings have moved up. To Ted's point, you're probably not going to see your pitcher eye or your hitter's eye rating moving at all. And uh, I'm wondering uh, if you have any thoughts on why you think that is. Several. The, the biggest one is one I know the answer to, and this isn't to trying to second-guess Matt. Matt has been running this league for more than 70 seasons now and doing a whole ton of hard work behind the scenes to keep it going and there is so much more that goes into that than most of us think about every day. Um, OTP is wonderful. The game it is was not designed to run leagues for 80 years. And so there's, there's kind of maintenance that, that has to happen during that maintenance. There was a period of time that for whatever reason, it ended up away where the eye in the player creation modifiers and the PCMs, other things were turned up and I wasn't. And so, right. That's that's the biggest factor. The other thing is, as you mentioned before, there is some cre player creation feedback that the game does where it goes, oh, I've got a bunch of this. I need to modify the opposing force or I need to modify the other thing. You know, you, I'm supposed to make these league totals and. I've got this one rating dominating my production of all these league totals. I'm going to have to adjust the players involved in some way to make the rest of this work. And I do wonder if some of that fed back into our hitters not walking as much just to make essentially the game working on itself to make the math work. Um, and I don't, I can't exactly do the mental gymnastics required to figure out why I would be the thing that didn't go up. But I do wonder if that was something yeah, I think it, uh, that's you're we're on the same basic page. I would be absolutely shocked if the answer for why I has stayed pretty consistent is uh, different from the aspect that when we went through and changed all the player creation modifiers, 
when I first came into the league, for example, I was looking, one of the things I loved about this league is how transparent transparent it was. And, you know, Matt posted all of the settings, and today we've got it posted as a video, and I'm thinking that it would actually be easier to, uh, it was more fun to watch the video. Now it's more difficult to find where the settings are because you've got to follow through the video. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was looking at the player creation modifiers, and um, actually I, was, I had just scanned them when I first came into the league. My frame of reference on this is that, yes, Matt has probably had probably changed the player creation modifiers uh, by the time I started really digging down into it. But I think the reason that he changed the player creation modifiers not was not because he's just back there being mad scientist Matt doing whatever you know Matt does. I think what he was doing was reacting to, at that stage, the first couple of years, the main thing that people were complaining about is, hey, all these drafts are just not fun. We want more good players. And so I think Matt went in and changed a bunch of player creation modifiers to help create exciting drafts. Uh, but when I started digging into it, the player creation modifier for I was down still at 1, 1 1.0, and everything else was up, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, 1.2s and 1.3s, and and so what I think has probably happened here, and this is me being archaeologist (laughs) and, and guessing because I wasn't here during those time periods, uh, what I'm guessing is that the player creation modifiers have created over 15 or 20 years of time now a different set of ratings for all of these areas except I. Now, three seasons ago, two or three seasons ago, I know uh, I worked with Matt quite a bit to adjust things back down, so I don't think that we have the huge mega PCMs happening. But those are, again, like we said, longer-term uh, impact uh, player creation right. modifier is not going to change players in the league right now. It's going to change players who are 17 years old and growing. <laughs> yeah, but that's, so. And I think that's fine, right? The answer is if you think it is in, in terms of something as complicated as a baseball world with all of these players, you want to make the small adjustment and just wait, just wait. If you, you know, we'll get to, there's a question I have for you about this in a little bit, but if you think that something needs to be different, It is probably much better to just make the minor adjustments to the environment and wait for it to bear out than it is to get too tremendously excited about the way it is now. You know, I I understand that people want to have exciting drafts, but the only way to have exciting drafts is to turn your PCMs way up. And when you turn your PCMs way up, you end up with leagues where if your player isn't entirely blue bars, they're well below average, and you have the other opposite of the you know it, it the and, the and does that matter right okay well then everybody all has blue bars and we just can decide that you know it, and maybe that's fine maybe if we want to play in a league full of blue bars where everybody you know and, and green is bad that's okay too there's nothing wrong with that but it's there is no i want exciting drafts but i don't want to pay any consequences for them that is not not a thing that you can have um, there will be some change to the player talent pool if you decide that you want exciting drafts. Because the reality of the situation is most drafts are not exciting and, and and frankly shouldn't be. By the time you're getting to the back end of the first round, you should be drafting players who look like they could be usable 
everyday okay players that are going to get you one to 1.5 war. Oh, no, you no, shouldn't. no, 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 Ted. Since I draft 30th or 32nd or whatever it is that I end up drafting these days because I have the 116-win Heartland Division Championship team, we need to have drafts that have like six rounds worth of good players. <laughs> right? That's That's got to happen. There's there's no question. Otherwise, what's poor Yellow Springs going to do? I, Ted, are you trying to hamstring me? I, I don't understand. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm in last and you're in first. Yes. <laughs> no, I, 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 I make fun. You know, I think the social dynamic of what a online league is um, fits into that category, right, of if you want a, in quotes, realistic draft, what that fundamentally means is by the second and third round, you're probably done drafting players you think are going to play, and you're now hoping for diamonds in the rough or filling in your minor leagues. Or, you know, I, I don't think that too many major league baseball teams walk into the fourth round of the draft expecting to find a guy who's going to play for six years. I just don't think that's uh, they would love to. They're trying to. You know, they're trying to utilize all of their skills and talents and analytics and whatnot to find a guy who might be able to be coached up or, you know, we can improve this guy in today's modern world. We can improve this guy's spin rate and whatever they think, right? Um, but same kind of conversation that we've had in a couple of other areas around the social aspect of an online league, you know, playoffs. For my personal sense, I would love for the playoffs to only be the division winners. I am a personality that would love that. But I have been around online leagues long enough to know that if you put that in place, your on your participation will go down to almost zero because most people are not like Ron. So what do I prefer? I prefer a robust environment where people are having fun. Um, I even right. quit playing out of the park for a couple of years because... My brain wasn't wrapped around that, and I finally said, you know, this is just supposed to be fun. So the real question is, uh, if everyone just wants blue bars, good. We'll just have everybody have blue bars, but then it becomes a stats-only league. If every player is a 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, then the only way to differentiate them is by stats, which is great for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll I love that. that you know, right? it's, it's the sort of thing where it's just, you know, it the as you mentioned, there are... OTP is wonderful and that there are so many levers and buttons. If you think as an enjoyer of an OTP league that you can turn up the draft knob because you want more exciting drafts and not have anything, not have to do anything with any of the other levers and buttons, you are incorrect. Yeah. Um, you will have to adjust. Well, the, the point is it's going to modify what the environment looks like, which is right. fine. And, is fine. you know, a counterpoint of... Um, or an example, it, the BBA is, is I'm going to toot our own horn, pound our own drum, whatever. I think that a majority of the GMs in the BBA, especially if they stay around for more than one or three seasons, begin to understand that this league is different from others. I've been in only one other league that has a similar flavor, and this is even uh, more so around baseball than environment. This league is different. This league is full of general managers who actually do want to play. I, I don't think that there are that many general managers in this league who are just, give me all the blue bars. I, I, there are some, I think, probably. I don't really know. 
compare this to, I was in another league for, oh, I don't know, six months or so, or nine months, and they had the exact opposite environment. I was going to say problem, but it really environment, in that their ratings were down on the lower end of the bar, and they were so unhappy. All we've got are these crappy fours and fives and sixes. I, You know, a six is a superstar. And I'm going, okay, well, a six is a superstar. That's fine. The, the, the stats came out looking about right and all sorts of stuff like this. But they were just so unhappy. Well, if they're unhappy, they're unhappy. I can't keep them from being unhappy. They, they want to see things the way they see it. But their unhappiness and their constant complaining is among the reasons why I say, well, it's just not my environment. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't care for that. Right? When people are talking about this, um, for my 20 years, 20 seasons in this league now, I will say and give a lot of people credit when they are talking about the ratings and the problems and so forth. Um, I don't think that they are unhappy. <laughs> No, I don't think so either. So I, I have been in worlds where they are truly unhappy. I think what we're talking about within this group of general managers is mostly about that real question of, hey, what are we, what are we trying to create? And I think that really fits into the world that you're discussing, right? We do agree in general that we want to create a world that is quite like the major leagues and we can use our baseball logic in some way and get expected answers. Right. And that's, and you know, when it seems like I'm, I'm being awfully critical of stuff or I'm really harping on something or, you know, I'm on my uh, habitual soapbox about these things. It is not because I think that we're quote unquote doing this the wrong way. I think that by and large we're, we're great. And the bars are a little high, who cares? And if, I mean, honestly, I think that's probably the happy medium is to like turn the drafts up a little bit. So they're a little bit more fun and so our ratings are a little bit high. That's a little bit of fun, too. Who really cares if we're a little bit higher than a regular OTP league? My biggest concern is that we would skew away from it feeling like real baseball. And that it, the stats would be so different from real baseball that you start to, you know, not be able to evaluate players accurately without having fairly advanced understandings of how these ratings work against each other. Like you can put me in a league where nobody walks and I'll be fine. And I'll probably do better than a lot of people who just want to play regular real baseball because I'll put the time into it. If I stick around to figure out what a 20 percentage walk rate over your batting average means in that league compared to a regular one. But once the, once the stats start to skew, it becomes a problem. And that's why I think this is, this is why I don't want to have relative ratings turned on. Because we can see with this huge stuff shift that we've had since we turned them on, that you can, and especially now that stuff can go up to 27 and the power can go up. Like if this stuff shifts without us knowing that it's happening, it's potentially problematic. You know, we're already looking at something where our, um, our walk rates are not really what they should be. They're not egregiously bad compared to regular baseball, but they're not right. quite right. In yeah, that I think changes. that's a, I think that's an important thing. Since to kind of cycle back on that, since I do believe that uh, we in the BBA, and I think I can speak for a vast majority, if not all, of the general managers, would like things to the stats to come out looking like somewhat modern baseball. The use of real ratings 
Uh, I can tell you without any question whatsoever in my mind that the use of real ratings 100% uh, helps to understand how we need to or if we need to make modifications to the league totals because Ron's world of OOTP environment uh, management says really don't tweak with the PCMs too much. It's fine with them tweaking a little bit here and there. Uh, or if you do it, don't do it more than once every 10 seasons or so. And adjust stats with league totals rather than with ratings, because league totals are more easy to manage. Uh, managing the environment with ratings is like the classic cliche of turning the aircraft carrier, right? You just can't turn that around really fast. Uh, and once you start turning it, it's an aircraft carrier. Right, you can't turn momentum. it back very easy, right? Yeah. So, right. For me, as a person who's interested in dealing with and managing the environment or helping Matt do it, having the real ratings is much more, provides certainty, <laughs> provides right. more certainty than if they're relative ratings, because I don't know how to do that shift unless I were allowed to actually get in to look at the real ratings, and I don't think uh, that is not fair. something that I want to do, because I do not want to lead that. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to let. I don't want people be uh, be thinking that I know something that other people don't know. So. Yep. So I don't know. Those are those are the big things. We had an adjustment to make. I am personally hoping that it doesn't slow the trading of the off season down. Even though I know it will, because I need to make some moves. Uh, Brett uh, Golden said something important. I think earlier that was you know. Hopefully, he's pointing out, like, don't get excited about the players that are getting offered to you. Your own players are better, too. You know, something to that extent. Right. Like, um, And that's he's absolutely right. So we're all we're all going to have to adjust a little bit. Well, I mean, actually, he's he's right from the eye test. Right. This mm. is a compare compare this to eye test to to the numbers. Right. The eye test things look different, but. To go back to your very beginning statement, nothing has actually changed. The real ratings have not changed whatsoever. Um, right. The players' values have not changed in any way, shape, or form, except for the case where a piece of the development engine has kicked in and somebody has actually improved. <laughs> uh, right. But that's the same rate. The, the development engine has not changed Yep, that's um, the same as it was before. Everything is so. the same as it was before. It's just we are looking at it differently. And so... Uh, I like Brett's point, and I really uh, liked Jim's uh, comment on Slack as far as, hey, I, this is different. I have to change my mind. His my, his frame was, I like this. I just need to look at it from a different perspective, which is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everybody can like what they want to like. I would try to convince you if I think that you're liking something that I think Maybe you're doing for reasons that don't make a lot of sense. I'm, I'm going to try to convince you otherwise, but I'm not telling you that you're wrong. There are reasons to like relative ratings, but I don't think that it makes these players look more like what I accept, expect a distribution of players in a regular OTP league to look like. I don't think that's a good one. If your players that have super high ratings have 45 and 50 and 55 potentials when like those ratings would normally be 60 or 70 or 80, I don't think that's a good reason to like relative ratings. Because all you're choosing to do when you turn relative ratings on at that point is to hide the truth from yourself. You know, yeah. it's uh, and the, lose. the root problem there is out of the park creates, again, problem versus feature. Out of the park allows you to create things that are outside of the norm. 
And Out of the Park also has a uh, philosophical problem. Um, and Marcus has mentioned it in the public boards a time or two, so I don't have a problem with talking about it. I consider it to be a philosophical problem. When he looks at a average player, he is creating players that we would probably grade as 60s. So the average, you know, I've heard a billion times on the open board as well as a few times here uh, in the BBA that, you know, the idea of relative ratings is try to draw everyone to a 50, which is average, and then scale them out from there. But that's another fundamental problem that the park has, in my opinion, is that uh, Marcus is smart with his customer base and knows his customer base wants players who are a little bit better. So he kind of bumps things up. It also gives him advantage of if he's managing an environment to trying to create an environment with rookie league and short A's and so forth that you've got more space to play with, right? right. Which gets into the whole thing that in reality, baseball skill and talent is not really normally distributed. <laughs> um, right. That's well, no, it is. That's another problem set. It's, it is normally distributed. It's just that the players that we're seeing that are all playing professional baseball are seven standard deviations above the mean. Right. So professional within the, baseball within players the population are normally that we're creating yeah. the, the real, especially if you talk about components, there's some argument amongst, uh, there is a reasonable argument that says that if you add up everyone's components and look at overall value, that the overall rating of baseball players could be normally distributed or something close and that would be a fair thing to to talk about. But we're not talking about overall ratings. We're talking about the components, right? The components are what becomes relative and real. And so in real life major league, power is not distributed normally. <laughs> power right. is distributed in this falling curve and uh, you know, what is it? A parabolic uh, exponential kind of uh, reverse exponential curve. And, because we're uh, already... And correct me if I'm wrong, but but that's because we're essentially already looking at the very very edge of the human curve. Yeah, I mean, if, like every, if you look every at it's very baseball. possible. Nobody knows for sure, but it's very possible that power is actually distributed normally amongst human beings. And if you were to grade my power, it would be on the far left hand side, right? <laughs> or actually across all human beings, it would probably be on the medium right hand side because you know there are infants and and right broken people and you know, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but the point is, is that I am in no way, shape or form. If you look at the overall population of human beings, I am in no way, shape or form in the world that OOTP is trying to create. You know, they're looking at, as you say, that far right hand curve. So there are a whole bunch of people that if you were to shape the curve, in my opinion, there are a whole bunch of people at the 20s and fewer people at 25, and fewer at 30, and fewer at 35, and, you know, all the way down to the point where there's only one or two in the 80s, right? Right. So you, that's the curve that is is real, but that's not what's in Out of the Park, um, except that it kind of is in the sense that what we're looking at, for example, in the graphs that I put forward are only major league players. So right. if you were to take out all the minor leagues in real life and look at it, uh, you'd actually you wouldn't get that absolute sharp curve. You get this weird little curve where there's a few 30s and a couple of 35s and 40s and goes up to 45 and and then it begins to fall down. Like you know you're only cutting a small piece of that curve out. Yep. 
We've lost everybody. I'm sure we've lost everybody, but I'm having <laughs> a great old time. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. Do we, do we want to do we want to sum up the rambling? I don't know what there is to take. It's just an adjustment, right? That's like the yeah. summary of this whole thing. There's an adjustment, and I think turning relative ratings off exposed our stuff mismatch to the rest of our ratings. That's and the, and and maybe. Pointed out that stuff I, mishmash, mish, 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 It also uh, uh, helps us understand a little bit better probably the uh, issue with the PCM changes on I and control. Right. Um, and like I said, if you really get into the wonky stuff and you can start to see the actual influence on hitter contact with power and AVK and, but you're getting into some real nuances of, of that. So, and I would one one last bit before we go, hopefully I would say that if you look at the ratings distribution that we currently have and think, Oh, I don't like this. These are too high. If that's your response, I would argue that the correct, if that's what everybody decides, if that's what we decide, these are too high and we want to do something about it which I don't think we necessarily have to, but if that's what people decide, the solution would be to have reasonable PCMs and wait, whereas anything else is a stopgap solution that really doesn't address the problem. Yeah, and ultimately uh, I would argue, I would actually piggyback on that and say that's kind of where we are at. We're already doing that, right? That's right. why we people, made those. Uh, Matt made yep. some changes about two seasons ago or three seasons ago because of the big concern. You know, it, it's, this is an ebb and flow, right? The after the big draft classes, Matt actually made some changes to go back a little bit. And now, if you look at our PCMs, um, I think they're kind of like at the one point oh five, one point ones, which I think That's is great. fine. You know, yeah, and and the reaction is the result has been that the draft classes have been different. less fun, right? Uh, call it less fun, but well, it's know, not less fun for me. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy it quite a bit, but, uh, but uh, less uh, sexy, right? Yeah, there's a good, there's a good as version. far as that goes. And so I think that ultimately uh, the interesting thing for me about this whole thing for the next four or five, six years is going to, going to be watching the actual uh, shifting of the, of the rating environment. Uh, because the rating environment shifts all the time. That's yep. That now we'll just, just how it is, and so and we'll be, we'll just be able to see it now. Right That's now, all. what I would actually advocate for, uh, I do think that we need to do some things around control and I and walks. We think we need to do things around walks, <laughs> right? Not control and I. We need to do things around walks, and that tells me that we need to mess with the uh, league totals just a little bit. And I believe that I am speaking for Matt there, and that he's already on that. I think he is. Uh, going to pay attention to it. So the one thing that I would like to uh, say is that as we move forward on that, we need to be open on on any changes that are going to happen because if the if the walk rate is going to go up, general managers uh, if the walk rate is going to go up because of structural changes, the general managers need to be informed of that. If the walk rate goes up just because of a natural drift of skill sets and talents, then I would not. And that's up to GMs to figure out. Right. Well, and again, and, and I would imagine that if we've got our, like you said, our PCMs are now kind of, you know, they're pretty reasonable now. That's why our drafts have looked the way they have. 
if we do something to the walk rate right now to address the current unbalanced situation we have in the league, well, at some point, then we'll have to do something to the league totals again yeah. when you know, five, six years from now. And that's, again, for people that are thinking there are shady machinations going on behind that they're not. This is this is running an OOTP league. Right. It, it is. No, this when is I was all doing, the stuff I was doing that do. for the Fobble for quite some time. Yeah. And every year we would go in and make small little tweaks because we wanted to keep the the number, you know, actually quite similar situations. We were starting to see runs per game go up into the five one, five two, five three area, and we said that's even for the steroid world, that's a little bit too much. So we were just slowly, gently bringing them into a more reasonable frame of reference. Um, but I will say that every time that we made those changes, I would put a post out saying, "Hey, we're making these changes, and don't expect anything huge." But Blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Well, I think we've beaten this to death. No one's listening. And uh... Well, it was fun for me, Ted. I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to, to chat about it because um, these kinds of things, I just enjoy the heck out of these kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, this is, when it comes down to it, this is what managing a team is all about at the most cutthroat, I want to win level. You have to understand these things. Um, and so I love, it is the... Any contest, not just sports, but any contest is about understanding the environment of the contest and the factors that play into the results and how those results are made. And so I love games. I love contests. And I want to know as much about the little parts and how to take advantage of them as I can. So I, I, I love these talks. And if, if you if there is well you know if anybody's saying well I like this thing because it's not that way well no it actually is that way we just don't understand it well enough to break it down into boring monotony yeah. but don't worry we'll get there there you go <laughs> we're in the process of ruining basketball and hockey as we speak football's going to take a while so many moving parts but, um... alrighty well I appreciate it yeah this is fun yep have a great day alright and bye everybody thanks for listening You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at fesleyandstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow.